It's a good-looking crowd today. I'm, I'm thankful for everybody that could come out this morning. I know it's a holiday weekend, and uh, it seems like all we've been having is holidays since November, but we've got another one. And uh, so I'm, I'm thankful that you guys are here. I, I want to go ahead and read a scripture real quick. I'm going to jump right in and, uh, and get, get going on this because I have a lot I want to say. Uh, in Nehemiah 2, verses 17 and 18, it says, Then I said to them, you, would, you see the trouble we are in. Jerusalem lies in ruins, and its gates have been burned with fire. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem, and we will no longer be in disgrace. I also told them about the gracious hand of my God on me and what the king had said to me. They replied, let us start rebuilding. So they began this good work. The title of my message today is A Call to Serve. Uh, I'm going to ask you to pray with me for a moment, if you would, please. Father, we love you today. God, I thank you for your, your presence in this building, in this room. Lord, I thank you for the sweet time of worship we had this morning and, and just the celebration, God, of being able to celebrate and worship you and celebrate with baptism and, and, uh, and those that are making a statement to the world that they want to live their life for you, God. What a, what a privilege it is to be in this building today. And I thank you for everybody that's here. Lord, I pray that you would bless every single person that's in this room today and everyone under the sound of my voice. Father, I pray that your word would go forth and do the work it was meant to do. I pray that my words would be your words and that your anointing would be on this message and on this time. We love you. We praise you. We give you all the glory in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. Well, I, I hope that you were here for our New Year's service, the, the first Sunday of the year. I know it was a holiday day, so a lot of people weren't here. But uh, for those of you that were, uh, Pastor Bowen shared a, a vision for the church for 2017. Uh, if you weren't here, I would encourage you to go to our website and watch the, the sermon, uh, as you can with all of our sermons. We keep all of that on our website. If you don't know that, uh, we, we tape all of these and have them available for you. So if there's any sermons you miss and want to hear, want to hear, they're they're all there and available. But uh, uh, what what Pastor shared, I'm just going to kind of recap it real quick. You know, we we are 2017. We are uh, believing God for a year of rebuilding the walls, rise and build. That's why we have this huge sign behind me here. We want to make sure everybody knows what our vision is for the year, because how many of you know, without a vision, the people perish, right? And, uh, and we want to have a vision for the new year. And, you know, we conceded that, that 2016 was a challenging year for us as a church. Uh, pastor even mentioned, you know, there, there's more empty seats than there have been in the past. And that's not something we want to see. I'm sure you guys don't want to see it either. And uh, it's not about just filling seats, but we want, we want this church to be a place, we want it to be a light that it is called to be, a light, a city on a hill that people will be drawn here and want to be part of this because we believe that the presence of God is in this place. And we believe that people that come into this place are going to experience God. And if they don't know God, they're going to meet him. And if they do know him, but they're struggling, they're going to be encouraged to live their life for him. And so we believe in this ministry. And so we want people to be here. And, uh, and so we're spending 2017, we believe it's a year to rebuild the walls. And, and I, you know, that, that comes from the verse that I read in, in Nehemiah. Part of it is from the verse in Nehemiah, where uh, if you know the story of Nehemiah, he, he, the Israelites were, were attacked in Jerusalem and they were taken off into captivity in Babylon. And uh, the king of Babylon allowed uh, Nehemiah to come back to Jerusalem and build the walls around it. And um, he, he, in this passage I just shared, he's sharing what he talked to the king about and, and the fact that it's time to rebuild the walls and, and to, to make our place the way it's supposed to be. And I love that part in the verse where it says how the people responded. They said, let us start rebuilding. They grabbed onto his vision and they said, let's do this. And that's what we want to do because there have been some, hole, some holes poked in our walls here. 
And sometimes that stuff happens. But what we, what we believe, what I believe, is that New Hope's best days are ahead of it. I believe that with all my heart. And, uh, and I, I believe that God's commissioned us to rebuild the walls and to, to be a, a powerhouse here. And again, not for the glory of New Hope, not for the glory of Pastor Bowen or the staff, but for the glory of God. Because we believe in the vision that God gave Pastor Bowen years ago about this place and where it was supposed to be. And it was here for a strategic reason. We don't believe it's a coincidence that we're right at the gateway on I-20, right as you come into Augusta. That we are meant to be the, the, the church that stands guard and is standing at the gate to keep the enemy out and to, to be a blessing to the people. And so we're asking you to help us. And so today what I've, I've entitled this message a call to serve because I want to encourage you. Because as, as wonderful as, as this church is and as wonderful as the, the people, the, the leadership of this church is, we can't do it alone. You know, Nehemiah gets credit for rebuilding the wall around Jerusalem, but the truth of the matter is he probably did very little, if any, of the physical labor. It wasn't him that actually did it. He was the one with the vision that empowered the people to do it. And without the people, the wall would never got built around Jerusalem. It would have never happened. He had to have the people. And so that's what we're saying today is that we have to have the people of this church to help build these walls. And one of the best ways we can do that is by serving the church. And coming together and all working together as, as one. And so I want to challenge you guys today to, uh, to serve the church. Uh, obviously, it is a new year. We're always trying to raise up volunteers um, in, in all of our departments. Because we, it's not just because we want to have volunteers and we want to have people working. It's because we believe wholeheartedly that as you get involved, uh, the more you get involved, the more the, the, uh, the, more the presence of God uh, exudes from you. The more you feel a sense of purpose, the more uh, the more the, the the excitement can become contagious, and the more we can do. And uh, I, I especially want to appeal today to the 30s and 40 year olds, or between 30 and 40, 30 and 50. Uh, last week, Pastor Bowen was was talking to the 50 and over. Today, I'm going to talk to the 30 to 49, um, and partly because that's that's my age group. Um, I, I'm I'm in the same age group as a 30 year old. That makes me feel really good. Uh, but I, and the reason I want to speak to you is because I know the excuses, I know the the struggles, I know the hindrances to being able to really serve the church. Um, I have three kids, and two of them are in sports, and we're always at the church, and we've got all kinds of stuff going on in our life, being pulled in every direction, and uh, and so I know all the excuses. But and but I want to say that there is no excuse for us to not serve. We're not asking you to give your whole life. We're asking you to become a part and serve with us. And I know some of you are looking at me and say, well, it's easy for you to say, you work here, you're, you're paid to be here. If you pay me, I'll be here too, right? We'd have every 30 and 40 year old in here if we paid all of you. But, and that's a fair question, but at the same time, I've been in this church 16 years. I've only been on staff for a few and I've been serving this church from the minute I got here. So, um, so there, there are no excuses for us to not, to not have a desire to serve and have a heart to serve. And, uh, what I, I kind of have four different types of people when it comes to serving the church that I kind of have categorized a little bit. And I want, to see, I want you to think about which one, which person you are, which one you fit into. Uh, the first one is, uh, is the firstborns. Now, those are the people that just, they serve automatically. They look to serve as soon as possible. Um, as soon as they become part of a church, they're in and they're, they're doing everything. They're the ones that you couldn't get them not to serve if you tried. Because they see the need and they just want to fill it. It's kind of the, the stereotype of the firstborn. You know, they're, they're people pleasers, but they're also, they see a job that needs done. They just kind of do it. They're, they're motivated. They're go-getters. 
Um, so we, I, I call those the firstborns. We're obviously, not every firstborn person is like that, but that's a good way to categorize them in the church. And then the second one I call the drop-ins. Those are the ones that uh, they'll serve occasionally based on certain restraints in your life, time, schedule, or just a commitment issue. But, um, you know, those are the ones that they see the need and they, they have a heart for the church and you want to serve. But just because of certain things that you're not necessarily able to sacrifice or willing, um, you're just not able to serve as much as you would like to. And so you can count on those people sometimes for special events or occasionally a fill-in or something like that. But, but, um, but don't serve necessarily consistently. And then the third one is I call the Charlie Browns. And uh, the Charlie Browns, they do not serve because they don't feel adequate. They feel inadequate. Don't feel like they have anything to give. You know, oh, you know, Charlie Brown always kind of walked around with his head down, you know. And, and um, they just don't feel like they have what it takes to be able to serve the, the great, powerful, spiritual church, you know, which is really just a lie because we don't need super spiritual people to serve the church. Amen. We just need people that are willing and and, and able to uh, to give a hand. So some of you fit in that category. And then the, the last one is the selfies. And those are uh, the people that don't serve because they believe the church is here to serve them. And uh, I, there's a lot of people in church that feel that way. And I understand how, how you can get to that place where you feel that way because you're half right if you believe that the church is here to serve you. But the other half is that you're here to serve the church. The way God has set it up is that we are the church. It's easy to think of the church as this building and maybe even the leadership, uh, but that's not true. The church is all of us. We are the church. Amen? We are the church. And so the church is not just here to serve you. It's here so that you can serve it as well because, because as we serve, we see, we see people drawn to it. We see the growth that we want to see in people's lives and people getting saved and set free and filled with the Holy Spirit and sanctified and all those great things. Uh, and so I, I just want you to think about that today, like which, which one of those you'd fall into. And, and if the Lord would be challenging you to maybe uh, to pray about being in a different category than what you're in. Now, obviously, if you're in the firstborn category, don't pray because we love where you are. Okay? <laughs> just stay there. <laughs> um, but I, I want to hopefully encourage you in that today and, and help you. Um, you know, uh, I, I don't want you to tune me out today if... If you're not necessarily someone that feels like you're going to serve, maybe you're here as a guest and you're not even, you, maybe you're just in town for a couple of weeks. Okay. I still have something to say to you two today because I believe that serving is not just about serving the church. I don't just, I'm not trying to just raise up volunteers in our church. That is not where I'm going. And I want to make that clear right at the begin, very beginning because it's so much more than about serving our church. It's about serve, living in a life of serving. It's about being that person that has that attitude in life where you, where you know that you are meant to serve, you're called to serve. God puts you here on earth to serve others because that's who God uses. So I want to make sure you, you don't tune me out because I'm not just going to talk to the 30s and 40-year-olds and tell you, tell you to serve and tell you that we're going to have child care for you if you'll come to the church, okay? Um, so so I'll, I'll have some stuff for you too. In fact, I want to, I want to get into um, the three reasons why we serve. Three reasons why we serve. Obviously, it's not exhaustive, but these are three that I think will hit home for us. And the first one is that we are called to serve others. It's that simple. We are called to serve others. You know, so many of us want to know what we're called to do in life. And that's a, that's a very real desire to want to know what's God called me to, you know. Um, if you're in your 30s and 40s, maybe you got to that place where you feel like maybe you've wasted the first 35 years of your life because you didn't really know what you were called to do and you're starting to get an idea well you know i feel like the lord's really drawing me over to this thing and you're ready to switch careers and but you really want to know where you're called we all want that 
from 10 years old up to 110. And we all want to know what we're called to do. Well, this is one of the things in life that we know that we know that we're called to do. You don't need to pray about whether or not you're called to serve. Because I'm going to show you in the word here. There's, I'm just going to show you a few scriptures, but there's tons of them that show that the whole theme of the word of God is about serving others. So the first verse is in 1 Peter 4.10. And it says, Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. So we all have gifts and we're all meant to use them to serve others. And see, God has shaped us for service. That's literally how he has formed us was to serve and, and, and to not be self-centered. We're actually designed to be serving others. But the flesh gets in the way. At the fall, it was immediate. As soon as sin came into the world, everything changed. And it was all about me, 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 mine, and, and, uh, and everything that I need, right? But that is not how God intended it for us. He intended for us to be uh, service-oriented and not self-centered. In fact, I would say that if, if you felt like you don't know what your purpose is in life, maybe, you're, maybe you've struggled even with, I believe even with depression or just feeling a sense of not knowing where you're supposed to be or where you're going or what you're doing, you don't feel that sense of purpose, this may be part of the reason why. If you, if you don't give yourself to service of others, if you don't dedicate part of your life and, and a lot of your, your, your mental energy, if you don't dedicate it to serving others and, to, and for others, and I'm not talking about serving others like you have to go mow their yard every week. I'm, I'm talking about just preferring others, like putting their needs ahead of your own, making them more important sometimes than you are to yourself. You know, that, that, that's in the word too, that we're supposed to consider others better than ourselves. If we don't do that, if we don't have that attitude in our life, that can absolutely lead us down that road of struggling with a sense of purpose and struggling with feeling worthless or feeling like you just, it's just not working for you. You know, and, and it doesn't matter if you're wealthy or poor or anywhere in the middle of the spectrum. The wealthiest people are some of the most miserable because they've spent their whole life focused on themselves and climbing the ladder and getting to the top and they step on people to get to where they want to be and they got all this money and they're totally miserable. And part of it is because of the narcissism. It's about, it's the, it's the me effect. It's wanting it for me and taking care of myself. It's a dog eat dog world. I need to look out for me and number one. But that's not how God designed us. So if you're struggling with that, it could be part of the reason why. And it may be just as simple as tweaking your thinking about, okay, I'm not going to focus on myself all the time. You know, I've heard somebody say many times, I've, I've heard many people say that if you want to be miserable, just focus on yourself for a while. And it'll make you miserable. It's a guarantee. Because if I focus on myself, I can see all my shortcomings. I can make a list of shortcomings that if I rolled the scroll out, would go around the building when I'm focusing on myself. And that's why I was saying for some of us, you know, the Charlie Brown effect, that we don't want to serve because we feel inadequate. That means you're focusing on yourself way too much. And sometimes you, what you need to do is get out there and serve, and you'll start to realize, huh, this feels kind of good. You know, maybe I'm not as horrible a person as I think I am. And so God created us to be uh, service-oriented and not self-centered. Galatians 5.13, it says, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. So we're called to be free, which I praise God for because I lived a good portion of my life bound up. And when I got free, I realized what it, the difference was. I didn't even know I was bound up until I got free. Amen? But once I got free, I realized, okay, this is, what, this is the way life's supposed to be lived. But, Paul, but Peter says, or Paul says here, 
that we are not to use that freedom to indulge our flesh, which is what our tendency is. That's always the fleshly tendency is to indulge in our freedom because that's what we want. But he says, instead of indulging in the flesh, serve one another humbly in love. Now, I'm going to make a statement here that, that I, I don't mean to just ruffle feathers, but I really want, I want you guys to hear what I'm saying. I think it's very difficult. In fact, I think it's impossible to be a disciple of Jesus and not have a priority in your life about serving others. I believe it with all my heart. And, and I just read you two verses. There's, there's hundreds more. And there, there's some that are very, very uh, harsh when it comes to talk, just looking at your own needs and not meeting the needs of others. And Jesus was so clear about it. In fact, the Bible even says that Jesus didn't come to be served, but to what? But to serve. The Son of Man, the, 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 the Son of God, the, 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 His majesty over all the universe came to earth to serve us and to not be served. If it's good enough for Him, it's good enough for us, right? And He never did anything just by happenstance. Jesus, Everything Jesus did was intentional. It was to show us. It was to teach us because He knew His time here was going to be short in the flesh. And so he made sure when the things he did was do this as I do it. And if he was serving others, then, you know, we are called to serve too. Uh, the a pastor, uh, Michael Ruffin, he had a quote, and I'm just going to read it because it's, it's, it says exactly what I would want to say. And he said it very well. He says, if we would be successful followers of his, then we must be servants as well. The foundation of Christian life is service to God that is lived out in service to others. The focus of Christian life is love of God that is fleshed out in love for others. There is simply no way around this, and we ought to be ashamed if we try to find one. Being a disciple means being a servant. Being what God regards as a great disciple means being what God regards as a great servant. Those are, those are very, very hard-hitting words. That we cannot be a disciple of God's without being a servant. Without, without focusing time and attention on others. And I know to some degree I'm preaching to the choir here. I know a lot of us, we make a lot of sacrifices to serve others. And I, I'm so thankful for that. I mean, we have, we have a lot of ministries here in the church. We have a lot of uh, different aspects of, of giving to others that if you guys didn't participate, we wouldn't be able to do it. So I, I definitely thank you for that. But I believe even for myself, when I, when I was preparing this, I, I was even convicted myself because I feel like it's one of those things that... Um, you can live one day and, and do great and serve and just be, feel like you're really selfless that day. And it's amazing how the next morning you wake up and it's like you got a little reset. And all of a sudden you're, you feel everything that you need for you is front and center of your mind the minute your alarm clock goes off. And that's, that's natural. That's normal. And so all I'm saying today for us is that we need to be intentional. We need to be constant. We need to make habits of, of training our mind to think in ways that will not allow us to always be focused on ourselves because you guys may leave today and feel good. And you may think, you know, that was a good word and, and I'm encouraged and I'm challenged. I'm going to fill out a think five card and tomorrow morning you wake up and you got everything on, on your mind about work and your family. And the last thing you're thinking about is that think five card. It's just the way we are. It's just the way nature is. We live in, I don't think there's a busier country in the world than the U S and there's so many demands on our time and we're always being pulled a hundred directions. And so we have to be intentional. We have to be very, very intentional, and, and hopefully that's what I'm doing today is helping to remind you of, of God's heart for us in this. Uh, so the second reason that we serve, when we serve others, we are serving God. Now, notice I didn't say when we serve others, we're blessing God. 
I said, when we serve others, we're serving God. We're literally serving God. That's not figurative. That's not a metaphor. When we serve others, we are serving God. God has set it up that the church would be the way that we serve him. It was as we serve the church and also as we serve the needs of those outside the church, that we are actually serving him. We're not just doing a nice gesture that he thinks is really cool. We're actually serving him. And I'll, and I'll show you here in Matthew 25, verses 33 to 40. This is Jesus talking to his disciples. He says, he will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on the right, come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. So that's God. This is God. This is God giving out the, the reward at the judgment. Okay. He's saying to those, the, go, the sheep on his right, take your inheritance. And it says in verse 35, for I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply this, this verse here, let this sink in. Truly. I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Those last four words you did for me. Now, there's a couple things about this verse. I'm sure you probably read this verse many times. It's a very common scripture. But there's a couple things in this verse that are very easy to miss if, if you're just reading it quickly. First of all, the people that did these deeds that were the sheep that were basically, Jesus was saying, come on in. You, you did well done, good and faithful servant. You're coming into, your, into, your, into my Father's glory. They're getting to go in and they're getting their rewards. These people... We're, we're astonished when, when God said, what you did for them, you did for me. Like, you, you fed me, you clothed me, you went to prison and visited me. These people weren't doing what they were doing because necessarily they even thought they were doing it for, to, to God. They just did it because of their heart, because they wanted to, to reach out and do that. But God's saying, you did it for me. So it wasn't like these people had ulterior motives. They didn't even know that, that God would see it that way. Because they, they were asking the questions, how in the world did we do what you're saying we did? And Jesus says, because you did it to them, you did it to me. And so, and, and the other thing is that we need to let that sink in that, that Jesus didn't say there, you did it, what you did for them really blessed me or really made me happy. Or I just saw it and thought, man, you guys are great. He literally said, you did it for me. And I, I believe for us today, like this, this verse applies to us today so easily that when we help and we do things for others, that Jesus is not only saying, thanks for doing that, I, thanks for taking care of my peeps. You know, he's not saying that. He's saying, you're taking care of me. You are blessing me when you serve others. And let me tell you, we don't bless God. We don't do things for God without getting a reward. Amen. He said, you can't even give a cup of cold water in my name and lose your reward. So we don't lose our reward. We get rewarded for when we serve others. It's just that simple. And you know, the, the thing about getting the, the drink of water that we, we hear about so much, you know, Jesus said... You won't lose your reward if you give a cup of cold water. That's such a trivial thing to do. Like that's, that's so easy to do, to give somebody a cup of cold water. Because frankly, that person's going to be thirsty again in a little while. It's not like that cup of water is going to sustain them for the rest of their life. You're doing a, a very minor thing when you give, up a, give a cup of cold water to someone. And what Jesus is saying there is like, I don't care how small a gesture it is. I don't care how small this may seem to you. To me, it's, you did it to me. Basically, I'm dying of thirst in the desert. You just gave me a cup of water. 
And that's a big deal. That's for us to know that when we're serving others, we're actually serving our God. That takes it to the next level. It's not just that we're blessing God. It's that we're actually serving God. And he is so excited when we do that for him. And he sees it as us blessing him and, and doing it for him. Um, you know, I was saying earlier that we're, we're meant to, we were created to, uh, to serve others. And I just think, you know, there was an analogy I thought of earlier of a, of a pond. You know, when you drive down the road or you're going somewhere and you see a pond, and um, sometimes you see a, a fountain in the middle of the pond where people will buy a fountain, plug it in, and put it in the center, and it throws water up in the air, and it looks real cool, and, and it looks nice, and, and um, it's, it's an interesting thing to see. And, but, but the thing about doing those, those fountains is that it's not just something that's pretty. I mean, it does look nice and adds a little pizzazz to a pond, I guess. But that, that, that fountain is not just there for that purpose. The, the fountain is there to actually keep the water moving. Because, you know, the thing about a pond is that there's water that goes into a pond, whether it's rain or maybe a little stream feeds it or something. But there's no outlet for the pond. The pond doesn't feed any other water source. It's just a, it's just a big, giant mud puddle. In, in actuality when it sits there and the thing about a, a pond is that the water can become so stagnant that you can get algae growing on it sometimes you hear the term pond scum i mean we've all seen ponds that we think my goodness it'd be better if they just took some dirt and filled that bad boy in you know because that algae will grow and let me tell you that that algae as it as it gets thicker and bigger and, and more pronounced um it can actually become toxic it can kill off other life forms in the pond. If there's any other greenery growing in the pond or around it, it can kill it off or it can kill off the fish or frogs or cause them not to thrive. And, uh, and not to mention, it just looks nasty, right? And so people that own ponds, they'll put these fountains in because what it does is it puts oxygen back in and it circulates it and keeps it moving, keeps it from becoming stagnant. And I just think, man, that's such a, that's such a good analogy of us as believers and what God's heart is for us. See, we're not saying that you should not be fed, that you should not be poured into, that you shouldn't get the rain on you, and that you shouldn't have good things coming into your life. The issue happens is when we just take it all and we don't become, we're not being used as a conduit to supply somebody else. If we just take what God's given us and we keep it for ourselves, we're only doing half of it. We're missing half of our purpose. We're meant to receive, of course. But we're meant to receive so that we can give out. And if we don't give out, we become stagnant. We get that algae growing in our life. And nobody really wants to be around that. We don't want to, be, we don't want to have pond scum in our life. Amen? We need to get rid of the pond scum. We need to be conduits. We need to be uh, 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 the, 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 the property that God would put into. And then we would give out. We are designed for that. That's the exact purpose of who we are. Is to receive and to give. We receive and we give. You come here to church on Sunday to get fed, I hope. But I hope it's not so you can just get fed so you can go home and rub your belly and go, man, that was good. And just sit on the couch, you know. You can do it on Sunday. I'll give you Sunday afternoon, okay. But then Monday morning, we should be taking what we're getting and giving it back to somebody else that needs it. Amen. Praise God. It's good to go to conferences and listen to podcasts and go to seminars and be in small groups and, and come to church and do all those things. Those things are all wonderful. I cannot recommend them highly enough. But if it's just so you can just keep receiving and getting spiritually fat, uh, you're, oh, you're getting some algae on you. You're getting some pond scum. And you need, a, you need a big fountain put in you. Amen? And so 
the, the best thing we can do is release that that's given to us. Continue to release. And as we continue to release, it keeps getting poured into us. And we just, we become this wonderful, gushing, flowing stream. You know, streams don't really get a lot of algae because they're constantly moving. There's water coming in, but it's always going out. You know, it's feeding and going. And that's what we're meant to be. We are meant to be that. That's God's design for us. And it's not a coincidence that when you are giving out, you feel better. Amen? I mean, you just do. You just feel better when you give what, what, what's been given to you. And that's a, that's a nice feeling to have. And it's not just so you can feel good, but it's because that's the way God designed us to be. Amen. So the third thing, third reason we serve is that it is a form of evangelism. Now, I know some of you might be looking at me thinking I'm crazy to say that, but I want to tell you today that you know that we're not all called to the office of being an evangelist, right? Not everybody has that gifting. Some, uh, it, it's, almost, it's almost painful to watch somebody that's not gifted with that when they, when they try sometimes. Because uh, if, you, if you try to move in that gifting and you don't have it, sometimes it can be awkward, you know? But then there's those that do have that gift that are just, you just know they're just, they were designed to be an evangelist. They're designed to help lead people to Jesus. I think about Pastor Roger when we talk about uh, people that were just created to be an evangelist. I've seen Pastor Roger lead people to Jesus on the sidewalk. I've seen him do it in a restaurant. I was, I was with him one time getting ice cream that he did it. And uh, it, it just makes me scratch my head, you know, and I could feel like, man, I'm really inadequate because that's not that's not really who i am that's not really what i do and if i tried it i'd probably make a person cry but it'd be for the wrong reason you know and uh so we just know we're not all called to that that's okay we can embrace that and know you know what that's not my thing but we are all called to win the lost right every one of us is called to help win the lost and so it doesn't give us an excuse when we don't have the evangelist gifting to not share our faith or to not uh be that person that would be uh, Jesus with skin to somebody that needs it in our life. God puts people in our life for a reason. And, uh, but some of us just aren't even at that place where, you know, if I, if, if I challenge you to go share your faith with somebody this week and you came back next week and I asked how many did there, there'd be probably quite a few of us that, that said, you know what? I just chickened out. I really want to, I want to share Jesus with people, but I just don't know how to do it. I don't know how to say it without sounding awkward. I don't know how to do it without making somebody feel weird or I fear being rejected or being called names or whatever. And so it's just, it's just hard for us sometimes. And, and we can be real about it and admit it that for, for some of us, it's just not something we practice a lot and, and, uh, we want to do better. We really want people to get saved, but the idea of it coming directly from our mouth makes us want to crawl in a hole and suck our thumb. Right. And so some of us are like that. And what I would say to you is that there is a reward that comes from our service when it comes to evangelism um, that cannot be denied. And let me explain. Uh, ben Johnson, a lot of you know Ben. He's he's from this church. He's a missionary in Lebanon and he's actually going to be here next week here at New Hope. He's going to share for a few minutes with us. And uh, if you know what he's doing, he's, he's there ministering to to all kinds of people. We're see, he's seeing people get saved. Uh, obviously working in the Middle East, you can imagine the, the roadblocks he has and he's just, he's dedicated his life to it. And I believe in his ministry. I believe in what he's doing, but I can't go. I can't be there. I, I just haven't been called there first of all. And so, uh, what I do is I support his ministry financially, which I know a lot of you do too, because I believe in what he's doing and I want to continue, I want him to continue to be there so that he can continue to share the gospel. Right? Well, one of the reasons I give, if I'm going to be brutally honest is somewhat self selfish because 
I believe that if I support a ministry and that ministry is seeing souls saved or it's seen any fruit at all of people getting set free or saved or whatever, if the glory of God is, is being displayed to these people through this ministry. And I believe that Ben gets a reward for all of that. You know, when the day, when the time of reward giving out comes, Ben's going to have a reward for everybody that's been affected through his ministry. Well, I believe by me sponsoring that ministry and helping financially that I also get some of that reward. I believe with all my heart, and I think most of you do too. It just makes sense because if we didn't support him, he wouldn't be there to even be doing what he's doing, right? So we get some of that reward. Every time Ben tells me somebody got saved, I'm like, yes, that's more reward for me. That's not really what I think, but you know, in the back of my mind, it's probably there a little bit. And, uh, and so I get excited about that, you know? And so it's the same thing when it comes to serving. Like if you are serving this church, it doesn't matter in what capacity you're serving this church. It doesn't matter if you're in the nursery changing a diaper. It doesn't matter if you're with the kids during Sunday school, trying to keep them from banging into walls. It doesn't matter if you're back there in the sound booth or if you're up here on the worship set, on the worship team, or if you're back in the TV room, or if you are driving a golf cart. It doesn't matter what you're doing. If you are serving this church with the motivation of blessing this church to help this church do what God has called this church to do, when there's people that are ministered to in this church and there's good things coming out of the ministry of this church, some of that reward is yours. And you can count on it and you can take it to the bank that it's yours. And so we can actually help with evangelism. We can help reach the lost. We can help do those things in evangelism that terrify some of us just by serving the church. And that's a huge plus for us. It's, it can almost become a cop-out if you're not careful because we don't want people to hide over in the children's ministry because they don't ever want to do anything else. That's not what we want. And we don't want people to say, well, I, I will never in my life share my faith. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to work in the nursery because I, because I believe what Pastor Reagan said. Uh, that's not what we're looking for. But the fact that the principle remains is that as we serve this church and we serve a ministry like this or whatever ministry it might be, then you can know that some of the rewards that come later. And uh, does anybody here believe we get rewards for the things we do on earth? Are we going to be rewarded when we get to heaven? I mean, there, there's, the Bible is very, very clear about that. There's the, there's the judgment of salvation where we're going to get to, it's going to be decided if we were saved or not. But then there's also the judgment of rewards. And that one, for those of us that are saved, that's going to be the fun one, right? That's when we get to, we get to experience the fruit of our labor. And so I, I believe for all of us that working towards that and, making, and, and wanting to bless the ministry and helping the ministry, is that we get rewards from that. And we will see fruit from that in the next the next life when we're there and so to be able to say that uh that serving is a form of evangelism i think is huge and for us as a church for for if you are in this church and you call this church your home i really want to ask you guys to 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 have a sense of urgency because you know it's easy to think the statistics that you hear about church and and uh people church attendance people going to church and people believing in god in our country you know the statistics are 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 not as good as they have been in the past it seems like there's a decline it's easy to think because we're here in the the south and the bible belt that it doesn't apply to us i'm telling you it does there's lots and lots of people in grovetown martinez evans north augusta hepzibah augusta that do not know jesus that, that really need the love of god in their life there's, there's thousands upon thousands upon thousands that, that are not coming. That are not coming to church because they just don't, they don't really see the need for it. Or they've been hurt or whatever reason. So we as a church have to have a sense of urgency. That we, and we want to create this atmosphere in this church because 
for those of you that, that if you understand what I'm talking about, when we create an irresistible atmosphere, people want to, are drawn to the church. You know, we believe people are drawn to this church every Sunday, but we want more people drawn in. And again, it's not for church numbers. We, I, I could not care less about the numbers per se, but numbers indicate who's coming. So the numbers do matter. And so we want people to come, we want people to come in this place. And the way to create that atmosphere, that irresistible atmosphere is when you have people that are serving, that are excited about the church. That's how you create that. I, I get the chance to go around some, to go to other churches. Some of you may have never been to another church. You may have been in New Hope your whole life, but um, a, a couple months ago, Joy and I were down in Florida. We had a chance to go to Celebration Church down in Jacksonville, and uh, it's a big mega church. I think they're running ten, twelve thousand. Uh, Stovall Weems is the pastor, and we just wanted to go just to be there because we were in the town. And uh, you know, you can say what you want about mega churches. Some people don't like them. Some people say, you know, they have flaws. There's no doubt about it. But I. I I followed Stovall Weems long enough to know that he's the real deal. And um, after hearing a sermon at his church, too, he did, I mean, he, he brought it. I mean, there was no sugarcoating anything. So there was no watering down of the word. He was very, very clear. And I was actually pretty impressed that he was willing to talk like that to his church. But the fact of the matter is when you walk in, there's, there's such, there's an irresistible atmosphere in that place. Like, I can see why people, if I was unsaved or if I was, you know, kind of teetering, and I walked in there, I would want to come back. There's just no doubt about it. Just, there's just such an irresistible atmosphere because people were excited. There's volunteers all over the place. You know, everybody had a badge on. People were trying to help you, and they're almost too helpful, you know. Like, I almost, I want to tell them, like, yeah, I'm good, you know. I just, I'm observing. <laughs> but, uh, but that's the kind of atmosphere that really draws the people in. And they're doing something right if they got 12,000 people in their church, right? And so there's no reason we can't create that atmosphere here. I think, we're, I think we have it, personally, to some degree. But I think we could do better, too. And I think that the only way that's going to happen is if people like you will join in with us and help us to create that atmosphere that will draw people in. And, you know, we want to be a place where if you have friends that don't go to church or aren't saved, that, like, you, you wouldn't, it wouldn't even be a challenge for you to ask them to come to church. Like, you would just, it would just overflow out of you. Like, oh, my gosh, you've got to come to my church. It's so amazing. You've got to come. You know, that, that it would just be that a natural instinct of yours almost. Like, like if you had tickets for the, the Falcons playoff game and you had an extra one. Like, you wouldn't hesitate to ask somebody to come with you, you know, if he was a friend of yours, because you know they're going to have a good time. And so we want that here, that you wouldn't even hesitate to ask somebody to come here, because you know if they come here, they're going to love it, and they're going to experience God in this place. And we really want to draw that. We want, but we need your help with that. We need you guys to have that sense of urgency that, that we see in our culture today. So we need you to legitimately help this church and help us be everything that we are called to be to this community. Our church is meant to affect culture, but we cannot affect our culture effectively without you. You know, the church doesn't, I mean, the, the world, the country, the United States does not need more religion. But it needs people that are passionate about our Lord, that are passionate about God, that just overflow with the love of God. We don't have to figure everything out. We don't have to have theological arguments with people. But just to overflow with love, when they see that love in us, that will draw them. It causes them to want to be part of it. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to conclude here. So I'm going to ask you guys to stand. I'm going to ask the prayer leaders to come and the praise team as I close. And let me, just, uh, let me just challenge you by saying we need you. We need you. You are valuable. You have a place. Uh, Jessica said earlier, like if you're a first-time guest, we want you to know you belong here. You all belong here, and, and not just to come and fill the seat, 
We really want you to be part of what we're doing here at the church. We want you to help us rise and build the walls of this church, the spiritual walls. We want to see the things that, that maybe have been struggling a little bit lately. We want to see them thriving. You know, we want to see the areas of our church that, uh, that maybe haven't had the attention that, that we'd like to put on them, that we want to see them booming again. You know, we want to, want to want so much for this church, for our people, because we believe in it and we believe in you. And so I want to ask you to, to commit to church attendance. You know, I know that's, that's kind of a, that's something you're not supposed to do. You're not supposed to ask people to come to church and, and have good church attendance. But I'm going to ask you guys, like, there, there's, there's something to be said for momentum. You know, when you, in the church work, they call it the big mo. You know, you get momentum, it, it just feel, there's a different feel and people want to be part of that. And, uh, and part of that is seeing people in the church, you know, Pastor Bill mentioned we, there have been empty seats in the last year and, and that's, it can be discouraging. You know, we don't want you, anybody to be discouraged. We want you guys to be excited about church. So I want to ask you to commit to that, to church attendance this year, to be part of what we're doing, to not be afraid. And, to, and I'm not afraid to, to challenge you in that because I believe it's legitimate and it's needed. Um, and I'm going to encourage you and challenge you to get plugged in somewhere. You know, the, we did put the Think Five cards on the on the ta- on the de- chairs, and uh, don't necessarily need you to fill them out today. If you know exactly what you'd want to do, go ahead and do that. Give it at the welcome desk. But we're going to be uh, Tony's going to be talking next week to the the under 30 crowd and challenging and encouraging you to. Um, and then Steve the week after that, Pastor Steve. And so we got to, we're doing this for a couple more weeks. So. Feel free to take this home with you and bring it back. Pray over it. Ask the Lord, God, what would you have me do? How would you have me get plugged in? How can I serve this church? And, and don't necessarily take the path of least resistance. You know, I'm not asking you to do something that you're definitely, you know, wouldn't be good at. If you, if you uh, don't like kids, then don't serve in the nursery, you know. Um, but don't be afraid to do something that would stretch you too, you know. Don't be afraid to do that. We, we're always looking for more small group leaders. We need good, solid small group leaders because the more small group leaders we have, the more small groups we have, the more people we're affecting. It's easy math. It's addition. And it becomes multiplication. Amen? So pray and ask the Lord to do that. I'm, I'm gonna, we're going we're gonna to have prayer time. I'm going to ask, uh, if, you, if you need prayer for anything, pl- please feel free to come to these prayer leaders up here or just find a place at the altar. They'll pray for you for whatever you need. Happy to agree with you in prayer. Uh, and I want to challenge you too. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, please don't leave this place today without giving him your heart. He's the best decision you'll ever make. Maybe you've been kind of contemplating it and thinking, man, maybe I'll, maybe I'll give up, give my life to Jesus sometime soon. Maybe I might get saved this year. I'm not sure. I'm, gonna, I'm telling you today, you're here for a reason today. It's not an accident. And I want you to know that, that, that Jesus, the, the love of God, can so flood your heart if you will surrender yourself to him so please don't leave today somebody up here will pray with you if you want to just find like i said find a place by yourself but please uh don't leave this place not knowing him as your lord and savior because you're not promised anything you're not promised this afternoon so please do that and if if you want to just i want to pray for those that would like to come stand in the middle here i want to pray for those that that just want to recommit to serving others in their life. Not necessarily, I'm not saying you're not coming here, you're not necessarily filling out a Connect 5 card or a, a Think 5 card, um, but you just want to recommit. You want to, 2017 to be a year where I'm, I'm committing to not thinking just of myself. I'm going to think of others. I'm going to, I'm going to be intentional about it. It doesn't mean you don't ever serve. Maybe you're one of the best servant, servant-hearted people there is, but you just want God to really help you this year. I want you to come up. You can go ahead and come now. The altar's open. 
Uh, and I want to pray for you here in the center. We're just going to we're just going to pray and ask the Lord to, to fill you and give you that that desire that He would that He would meet that desire in your heart. So you come now. We'll wait for a minute. Joshua 24 it says, but if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourself this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. If you want to make that de- declaration today, come on up here. If you want to serve the Lord this year by serving others. The way God has ordained it and set it up that we serve him is by serving others. Joshua made that declaration. I will serve the Lord. I want that declaration to be in my house too. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Church, pray with me as we pray for these at the altar. Father God, I thank you today that you set the standard for us, that you showed us how to live our lives, that you, Jesus, being God, did not come to be served, but to serve. God, let that sink in our hearts. Let that sink in in such a deep way, the deepest crevices of our heart, that it would sink in, that we would know that your desire for us is to serve others, that we will truly only find true fulfillment through serving others. And God, we know that we will not lose our reward. Father, I pray for those at this altar this morning. I pray that 2017 would be a year that they would serve more than they've ever served in their life. I pray, God, that you would fill them with that desire and that when tomorrow, when when they wake up and the enemy is trying to distract them back to just focusing on themselves, that they would be able to stand against it, God. We just fill them with your Holy Spirit to stand against the lies of the enemy that says that me first. God, we know that we are last according to your word. And I pray you help each one of us to live that way, to live with you first and your people second. God, we love you. We thank you, God, that you do not condemn us, that you do not beat us over the head, but you are always calling us higher. You're always calling us higher, closer to you, drawing us to you, God. And I pray you bless each and every one of us. Bless us, Lord, to serve others by serving you, God. We thank you. We praise you. We thank you for it. You receive all the glory, Jesus, all the glory, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray.